0: Good morning, church family. Thanks, Jake. When we think of Jesus, we think of what part of your Bible? You tend to you tend to think about the back part of your Bible. The New Testament, or yeah, especially, I heard it, especially the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, perhaps especially because they tell, those are biographies of the life of Jesus. And so while we, um, while we, while we know that Jesus' earthly life and his ministry is described in detail in the New Testament, we can look in the back portions, or the front portion of our Bible, the Old Testament portion of our Bible, to get insights into the heart of Christ. Is that surprising? Is that a little surprising at first, maybe? Because when we think of the front part of our Bible, the Old Testament, uh, which person of the Trinity we mostly do we mostly learn about there? God, the Father, right? In the beginning, God created everything, and then there's Lots more, of course. Um, What attributes, um, and I think what we want to think about for a moment here this morning before we get into our passage for today is, when you think of the Old Testament and you think of learning about God, what attributes of God come into your mind? What images of God come into your mind? What is your impression of the God of the Old Testament, so to speak? yeah okay, yeah thunder. I heard Stern. So I wanted us to think about that for a moment and just be honest with yourself. I mean hopefully we have some good impressions of God from our Old Testament as well, but if but if we're honest and we go to some some initial thoughts or some, some overall reactions, yeah, you, some of us it's okay if what came to mind is harsh, maybe maybe seems harsh, maybe seems reactionary, maybe um, Maybe we think of God's wrath against sin. And that's difficult because perhaps some of us have personal lives that include experiencing being on the tough end of of harsh behavior and correction. And so perhaps it's difficult for us to imagine God and not put him in that category. So we're going to see what God's word has for us this morning. My name is Derek. Um, I get to, be, uh, get to serve as the lead pastor around here, and it is good to see you this morning. It is always good for me to take a moment and take a breath and to look around and to uh, smile at you, church family, and to uh, see you here with us and glad that you're with us and always glad to see uh, faces that are less familiar as well that I look forward to meeting and uh, pray that, uh, that God will, will welcome you this morning and that you'll be encouraged as you join us this morning. So let's open our Bibles. Hopefully you have a Bible with you or on your favorite device. Perhaps you have a Bible app. Either way, I would encourage you to open up to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus is the second book at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis and then Exodus. So we're going back into our Old Testament portion. We're going back to the second book in the Bible there, Genesis. Then you'll find Exodus. And turn with me to chapter 33. So, before we start reading, um, let, me give, let me just give a very, very quick version that sets, the t- that sets the story for us, that sets the context of the passage that we will read. Uh, in these chapters leading up to now, up to 32, 33, what's happening is that God is going to direct his people, Israel, to head off from Mount Sinai and head toward Canaan, the promised land. And as God, at, at, based on recent events, Leading up to this, God lets them know, you need to go there, but I'm not going with you. I'm going to send an angel to lead you. I'm not going to go with you myself. There's a whole story there. Feel free to read it later. But this doesn't sit well with Moses. Moses is one of uh, God's people, this leader of God's people. And Moses then pleads with God saying, he he knows that it's not good to go forward without the presence of God, and so Moses pleads to God, "No, you know, you need to lead us. You need to come. Would you please not send us out without your presence? Because Moses knew that that God's presence is so significant for his people that that, that God's presence is critical to their." testimony to the world, the reason that God's people, Israel, would stand out amongst the people of the world was because God was with them. And so Moses makes that request of God. Um, And that's where we pick up the story, Exodus 33, and I'm going to start reading at verse 17, invite you to keep your finger in the Bible and follow along so that we hear from God's word. We're going to read a few verses and talk and read a few verses and talk like that. Exodus 33, starting at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. That's excellent. So Moses' request was, God, lead us, come with us. We need your presence. And wow, God responds and honors that request. So naturally, Moses wants more. Is that sometimes how we respond to God? Oh, thank you for that answered prayer, Lord. And by the way, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being mean to Moses here. It just struck me funny. Verse 18, Moses says, "Please, God, show me your glory." Moses asks God to show him what his glory. What, uh, what is your impression? What is your thought when you think of God's glory? Perhaps when we think of God's glory, we think of his greatness, his, his complete otherness. He is just so different than us. He is other. He is set apart. He is on high. He is almighty. He is creator of the universe. Perhaps when we think of his glory, we think of those things how majestic and how big and how mighty. Perhaps when, we're, when, when Moses asks God, show us your glory. Perhaps we're thinking God's going to reveal his greatness. Interestingly, look at verse 19. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. So Moses asked him to show what? His glory, and, and God responds and says, I will show you my goodness. Is this perhaps God defining what demonstrates his glory? Interestingly, God responds saying he'll reveal his goodness and that he'll reveal his name. And what this is about is, I think it is, I think it's God revealing his own version of what shows his glory. We, we thought maybe of those things, and God says, I'm going to show you my goodness, and I'm going to proclaim my name. And that, what that means is when, when we speak of a, a name of God, or when we speak of when he wants to reveal his name, there's, there's more going on there. It's God saying to Moses, I'm going to reveal my nature my character, my whole person, all that I am. When he says, I'm going to show you my name, God is saying, I'm going to reveal my true nature. And the passage continues with indicators of God's true nature. Look at verse 19, or I should say 19b, the second half of of verse 19. God continues, and he's sure enough, he's talking about indicators, uh, examples of his nature, his heart. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And then the Lord continues and he kind of gives now an asterisk. He, he's saying I'm going to reveal my goodness. I'm going to reveal my name, but there's a little restriction. God says, I'm going to reveal my glory, my goodness, my name, but I'm going to there's a little asterisk, there's a little restriction to what I can do for you. Verse 20, but God said, you cannot see my face. And I think at first, like, what's my human response? Like, oh, come on. Like, Moses is, like, having this conversation. God is responding to him. He says, show me your glory. He says, I'll show you my name. And then, but I won't show you my face. And I'm thinking, if I'm Moses, I'm like, oh, man, I was that close. How cool would that be? And maybe my natural human response then would go, well, why, Lord? Why won't you show me your face? Verse 20. God says, for man shall not see me and live. Oh, okay. Good talk. Thank you, Lord. I'll go with that reason. Verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in, in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's kind of odd, right? But, but it sounds protective. God's going to hold, hold his hand over until he passes by, and then he'll pull the hand, hand back, and then all Moses will get to see is his back. And, and the reference there is, is kind of the, the after effects of God's glory. He's needing to be in the cleft of the rock. He's needing to not see the face of God because that's what's best for him. And yet God shows him his glory, passes by, and then what he gets a glimpse of is is just kind of the, the after effects, the backside, the leftovers, what remains of his glory that's already passed by. That's the little sneak glimpse Moses gets to look at. And I'm guessing... It's a darn good thing because I'm guessing that's about all Moses could handle and still be alive, right? So now the story flows into chapter 34, which this is just a random side note. But just remember as you read your Bibles that they didn't start with chapters and verses. Those were put in way, way later by people trying to help help organize the Bible and help us to find stuff together. But so often the story is flowing... And you need to see what's before and what's after, so don't let human-added chapter divisions break it up for you. Does that make sense? So we're flowing into chapter 34, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone. Anybody heard of Moses and tablets of stone? Okay. Cut for yourself two—actually, it's already happened once. At this point, it's the second time you're about to see. Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, God says, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. What's going on? Again, outside the scope of our time this morning, but go back at your leisure and read the chapter. Chapters leading up to these chapters in, in Exodus and what you'll find is that while God was giving the Ten Commandments, putting the law on the stone the first time, while Moses was on Mount Sinai talking with God and receiving these first tablets, God's people were down at the base of the mountain following the rules and worshiping him and happy for Moses' return. Oh no, sorry, that's right. They were breaking the law as it was being spoken, rebelling against God building an idol out of uh, uh, creating an idol in the image of a calf so when Moses comes back down the mountain and sees the people in sin he throws the tablets down and they break that's what's being referenced here so now Moses is with God again God's given another opportunity to put the law on the tablets let's continue with verse two So God says to Moses, Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut the two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and he went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand Two tablets of stone. Okay, so, remember recapping where we've been this morning so far? Moses asks God, God, show me your glory. And God's response is, I will show you my goodness, and I'll I'll tell you my name. So so let's continue. Verse 5, chapter 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Lord, the Lord, God says, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And if we had longer, maybe we'd just sit there for a minute. If you have time with the Lord later today or tomorrow morning, maybe just sit there there. Sit there with those words. Ponder those words. An author and a pastor named Dana Ortland writes this this will be on the screen: "When God Himself sets the terms of what His glory is, He surprises us into wonder." Our deepest instincts expect God to be thundering, gavel swinging, judgment relishing. We expect the best of God's, um, I'm sorry, that's, uh, I got a typo. We expect the bent of God's heart to be retribution to our waywardness. And then Exodus 34 taps us on the shoulder and stops us in our tracks because the bent of God's heart his mercy, his glory, is his goodness. We want to hear, at Faith Church, we want to hear from God through his word. And we want to learn what God has to say about himself and about other theological matters by studying his word from front to back. By considering the whole context of Scripture. So, is there more attributes in the nature of God? Is there more about His nature, His attributes, His character than that short verse? Of course. And yes, if we are truly to understand God the Father, the creator of the universe, yes, as we come to understand his attributes and his, tr- and his nature and his character, it will include that he is a God of justice and that he pours out wrath against sin. Even later in this same passage here in Exodus 34, if we were to continue on this morning, which is beyond the scope of our time, but even if you were to read it yourself, even later in this passage, there goes on to be consequences for sin. But... The scope of of our time together this morning is to ponder Exodus 34, verse 6. The scope of our time together this morning is to consider God the Father's deepest heart. Who he is at the core. what, What flows most naturally and most freely from our Heavenly Father. So Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This passage on the screen, this verse that's on the screen, is so key to understanding the Bible. So critical, so spectacular in what God wants to reveal to us through his word. Exodus 34.6 is so key that it is referenced over 20 more times throughout the Bible. The Lord, the Lord goes on to describe himself. He goes on to reveal his glory, his goodness, who he is, his nature, his name. So let's see his heart. When God himself is given an opportunity to say what is his glory all about, he starts with merciful and gracious. Does he start with God ready to smote us off the face of the earth? No, what what he started with is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, compassionate, who sees us and knows us and who has compassion, who's, who from his guts desires to know and love and serve and help us. And gracious, grace, so much of what God gives us past and present as we follow Jesus is, is grace, is graciousness, is not getting what we do deserve, and getting what we don't deserve. And then when the Lord continues to reveal himself and to share about his glory, his goodness, he says, slow, slow to what? To anger. He tells us that no matter our impressions, no matter our misperceptions, no matter what we see that is true and necessary in certain situations, he wants us to know that his heart is slow to anger. I think, I think if we're not careful, we think... We think quick temper, itchy trigger finger, or to punish, to impose cir- uh, consequences. We think perhaps if we're not careful about our image of who God the Father is, creator of all things, I think if we're not careful, we think that it's his anger that's easy to pour out of him. But the Bible says in multiple places that God is provoked to anger. And he says, I am slow to anger. I think we need to be careful not to think that it's his anger that flows so easily and that his love is withheld. It's the opposite. He is slow to anger, and it's his grace and mercy and forgiveness and love that is readily available and that naturally pours out of him and that he gives so freely. He says, I am slow to anger, and yet mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness and love are coming And then he continues, I am abounding in that steadfast love and faithfulness. God is all in. He's committed. He is there with you. He will be there with you. We can count on him. God says abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I hope that's, if if you have opportunity to, to look at 34 verse 6 and ponder that. Do you think that's an opportunity for God to encourage you? Do you think if we ponder those words and understand that about his nature and his character and his posture toward us, do you think that'll be a blessing? Yeah. And so as we've kind of been doing in this series, you know, we're taking our Sunday morning times together to look to God's word, to study a passage of scripture and to see what it reveals to us about God's heart and more specifically the heart of Jesus toward us. But as we've been doing these weeks, we also have been letting you know um, that we have a free book to give you that's in the lobby. Dane Ortland wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly. And and if this has been encouraging to you about the heart of the Father, I've got to tell you, you've got to soak in chapter 16. I talked to multiple people this week that it was a blessing as they soaked in chapter 16. So if you haven't grabbed one of those books, you're welcome to. They're in the lobby, and uh, we'd love for you to have one. So here's a challenge for us before we wrap up a little bit. Here's a challenge for us. At the beginning of God's story, at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we know that God the Father, who is eternally existent, who has always been, we know that the beginning of the Bible, the early chapters of Genesis, tell us about God creating everything, right? Including humans. Humans. And he says about his creation of humans, I, I, God created them male and female. He created them. And then he also describes our creation as what? In his image. God created us in the image of God. This is incredible. God created human beings with, to, to represent him, to reflect his character to the world. To, to not be God, but to be Made in the image of God to reflect his glory, his goodness, what is true about his name. And so if that is true, then as we walk with Jesus, and as we live lives to glorify our Father in heaven, and we recognize that he has made us to be his image bearers, if it is true about God that he is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. What does he want? What work does he want to do in you and I? Transform us into the image for more and more, created in the image of God, and by the work of the Spirit in us, transforming us more and more into the likeness of his Son. And those things, those attributes that are true of God, as we walk with him, as we surrender ourselves, as we as we. Um, learn to live by the Spirit, to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God that lives within us, then we will be increase, increasingly merciful, and gracious, and slow to anger. Not perfect, but increasingly because of God's work in us. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So we've... we've um, We've spent a few minutes in Exodus 33, 34. We've spent a few minutes in the Old Testament portion of our Bible, and our passage has hopefully given us a glimpse of the heart of God. But what's that got to do with our series, the heart of Christ, the heart of Jesus, His Son? Well, speaking of Chapter 16 by Dane Ortland, let me share you with you one more. A small chunk, oh, (laughs) I made a mistake. I'll be right back. While I go to my office, ponder Exodus 34, verse 6. This quote from Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland that I'm about to read uh, was cut and pasted for convenience into my notes so that I could read it to you. But out of efficiency, I took it out because I didn't have too much space. But then lack of efficiency, I didn't bring the book up here. <laughs> okay, so here's where I want to close. We were in the Old Testament this morning. We considered the heart of God. And yet our series is entitled The Heart of Christ. So as we look to the Old Testament, as we look to the character and the nature of of God, the creator, what does God want us to ponder about the heart of Christ? The Lord passed by Moses and revealed that his deepest glory is seen in his mercy and grace. Jesus came to do in the flesh and blood what God had done only in wind and voice in the Old Testament. When we see the Lord revealing his truest character to Moses in Exodus 34, we are seeing the shadow that will one day yield to the shadow caster, Jesus Christ, in the Gospels. We are being given in two dimensions what will explode into our own space and time continuum in three dimensions centuries later. At the height of all human history, when God became a man and entered into our lives. We are being told of God's deepest heart in Exodus 34, but we are shown that heart in the Galilean carpenter who testified that this was his heart throughout his life and then proved it when he went to a Roman cross descending into hell of God-forsakenness in our place. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is the good news that the heart of God the Father who we know to to seek us and pursue us and come after us and send a rescuer so that we are not left stuck in our sin, the heart of the Father that we know to be true is then revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The heart of the Father seeks and pursues and rescues, and so he sent Jesus who lived and died and rose again so that we might see God and so that we might know his heart for us the heart of Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were still stuck in our rebellion against God, while we had no ability to rescue ourselves, while we could not possibly pull ourselves up by the bootstraps or give our, get our act together enough to meet the, the righteous demands of God and instead God's heart came to us in the form of the heart of Jesus who lived the life that you and I cannot live, died the death that we deserve, was raised to new life to show us that we too can have life. Life now and life forever. The heart of God is the heart of Christ that loves you, that is slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. Father in heaven, may we bask in the goodness of your glory. Even in these few moments, in the rest of our day today, as we enter into a new week, God, would you help us to go to your word, even here in Exodus 34, verse 6, and bask in the good news of your glorious goodness in the truths about who you are give us give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to understand that you are merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness And God, by the work of your spirit in our lives, as we give ourselves to you, as we learn to walk by the spirit, as we learn to listen for your voice guiding us, I pray that we would, as image bearers of your greatness, of your glory, that we would increasingly be transformed into the likeness of Christ, that these attributes that are true of our great God would be increasingly true of us. God, would you do a work in our lives that help us to live in ways that are merciful and gracious? Would you help us to react to situations slow to anger? And would you help us to see the people in our spheres of influence, the people in our lives and in our world that are far from you, would you help us to see them with your eyes and with abounding love and faithfulness? that you would move us as receivers of your love to be givers of your love. As receivers of the good news of Jesus, help us to be proclaimers of that good news. We love you, Father. We're thankful for this opportunity to gather with church family. You are so good, so glorious, so gracious teach us to worship you in response with our voices, with our prayers, with our offerings. We worship you out of a heart of thankfulness, knowing that all we have is from you and that we can trust you with every aspect of our lives. So we offer ourselves heart, soul, mind, and strength. We offer ourselves our, our actions, our words, our lives. Help us to live for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.